There isn't much like young love. Okay? Look at the eyes of these two that are so much in love. They started their journey by meeting on, uh, on the internet. Maybe it was farmers.com, farmers only, I don't know. And then over a cup of coffee. Then two weeks later, he introduces her as his girlfriend in church, which shot down just a ton of hopefuls and a lot of people that were looking for him who are helpers trying to set this guy up. Then they get engaged, and they plan their wedding. Ah, oh, yes, Lo- young love. Next one there. <laughs> to know that you're going to love each other and spend the rest of your lives with each other. The joy, unexplainable joy it brings. Yes, yes. In June, the preacher's going to be saying, Marriage, marriage is what brings us together today. You all know? Yes, all right. Seriously, we wish nothing but the best for you guys and God's blessing upon you as you start your lives together. Um, I'll never forget the first time I laid eyes on Judy. Oh, she was the... Yeah. Thank you, thank you. She was the most beautiful seventh grader you had ever seen. I'm not kidding. Not kidding. She had long, beautiful black hair, and oh, she was so beautiful. And um, she she snubbed me. She swung that beautiful black hair and just blew me off like a bad hairdo. But I didn't give up. All right. It took two years, but I've won her over with all my, you know, grace and finesse. Uh, she, she, in fact, um, I'll never forget, she used to avoid me, just terrible. We'd, we were sitting back there sometimes, and in church, uh, she would put friends on both sides of her, <laughs> trying to avoid me. But finally, she accepted me, and... I was allowed the privilege to go over to the Pile House for lunch and supper. And, and you, you have to understand the Pile family, 10 kids, and two mom and dad. And so it was a lot of kids. So if you were invited over for lunch, that meant that the rest of the kids didn't get as much as they normally got. So you were kind of unpopular. <laughs> And also the fact that you were properly scrutinized and measured by the Pyle family to see if you measured up to their standards. Well, long story short, I did finally measure up to those standards and met that rigorous test. Jump ahead, Judy and I have been married for 35 years now. She's, yay, yay. Yep. She has made me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches almost every workday. Honestly, every morning, get up. So I figure I'm keeping her around for a couple more weeks. Just a couple more If you ask Judy, though, um, has everything been eternal bliss in our marriage? No, it hasn't been always eternal bliss. We've gone through our rough times. And you might think that the cancer was probably the, one of the roughest times. It was really rough, but it wasn't rough on our marriage. It was actually very good for our marriage. Some of the toughest times that we went through 
where when we were young, when we were struggling for money and, um, you know, schedules were just tremendously hectic and the kids, well, they're just kids, you know. Um, my point is, is that love is not always easy. And believe it or not, sometimes the ones we love the most are the ones we love the, or hurt the most. Josh and Brooke, there are going to be days when your love will be tested, and there'll be days where you're like, oh, I love you, love It will turn to thoughts of murder. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so today, as you can imagine, since it's so close to that, that wretched, I mean, that blissful Valentine's Day, we are going to spend a little time talking about love. Before we get to our main portion today, though, I want us to think of and review a couple facts. Working with kids in Awana has taught me that you never lose an opportunity to reinforce biblical facts and biblical basics. And it's important to understand how much God loves us. By the way, if you're ever looking for something to do, we could use you in Awana. First of all, we need to understand that God, God's word, the Bible, is super critical to our lives. As you know, that uh, Pastor Gary has been going through a really great series called Timeless Certainties for Uncertain Times. And last week he was in Hebrews chapter 4. And very soon, I think he walked right up to it last week, he's going to be touching on Hebrews 4.12 that says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So God's word is able to penetrate our souls. It's able to show us what's important to God. And that is what? This simple fact that God loves us and has provided a way through his son, Jesus Christ, to give us salvation. Before I say anything else in this message, you need to establish the fact that you've got to become a child of God. You need to receive his salvation. Otherwise, the rest of this message is, is kind of useless. If you try and figure out how to survive on your own in this world, it's just not going to work. If you're going to try and figure out how to love, it's just not going to work. Before anything else, you've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. I know it's unusual to start out with an altar call right off the bat, but there's nothing more important. So if you haven't made that decision today, I encourage you, do it right now, because you just never know. Your number could be up. You might be saying, well, I've got plenty of time, or I need time to think about it. You never know. Might So... Make that commitment. It's a prayer that can take 30 seconds when you ask the Lord in your heart. But you've got to mean it. You, you have to follow him as your Lord and Savior after that. Okay, so I think we can move on from there. Hopefully you've done that. I would imagine if we took a poll today and I asked you, what is the scripture that's most famous that preached at a wedding? You would probably say 1 Corinthians chapter... 13, thank you, which is known as the love chapter. Just after the pastor pastor says, marriage is what brings us together today. 
Then he would read from 1 Corinthians 13. I don't remember what Pastor Evelyn spoke about at our wedding. Now she's gone. I was going to say, all, all I remember was my beautiful bride, Judy. And I was going to say, she's the most beautiful girl still today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 teaches about love. Love is kind, love is patient, love is, never, doesn't envy, never fails. The greatest of these is love. It's a very important chapter. But I think I found another really good love chapter, and it's found in 1 John chapter 4. So that's where we're going to start today. If you've got your Bibles, you're encouraged to turn there. Otherwise, Preston's doing a great job. He's going to keep it up on the screen. Most everyone believes that John wrote these, first, these three books, which are called the epistles, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John. And, of course, most people believe that he wrote the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then most everybody believes he wrote Revelation. As we're going to see in this epistle, John is really stressing the fact that Jesus did come in the flesh to mankind, and he is the Son of God. So let's start out by reading this love chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John begins his love chapter by asking a very critical question. Who speaks truth? In today's world, there's thousands of people that are screaming, I've got the truth, I've got the truth. And with the explosion of uh, technology today, you've got Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube. They're all screaming that, aren't they? So how do we know? How do we recognize what is truth? You should be able to ask any one of these, anyone, when they have a statement of truth, where is this truth confirmed in the Bible? Have you, have you studied it in the Bible? Have you searched the scriptures to back up what you're saying? We have to be evaluating others and what they say is truth. Yes, there's a fine line between evaluating and judging people. We've got to use the scriptures to evaluate what others are claiming as the truth. God will be the judge, the final judge, and he will have the final say what um, someone is saying and everyone's life. But again, we just can't believe whatever someone says because they really feel that, that God has revealed this to me or God has told me such and such. It has to come from the scriptures. When you went to school, if you were studying some materials, how did the teacher find out if you were knowing those materials? They would give you a test, right? And if... They would give you a whole bunch of questions to see if you could answer them, right? Let me say, this should be done with all gentleness and kindness. Hopefully you're not going up to somebody and in your mind you're going, oh, I'm going to nail this guy. I've got all my scripture already. I'm going to bring him down. No, we should gently submit these people to an open book test. In fact, we should probably take the test with them. Search the scriptures with them and find out the answers together. Now, are we always going to come to an agreement on a subject? No. 
The Bible doesn't give you a definitive answer on every single question in the world. However, however, it will give you guidance and help you lead, lead you to the truth, and it will also reveal untruth. It will reveal whether it's a spirit of God or a spirit of Satan. John warns us that there are many false prophets or untruthful people in the world. Then John goes on to explain the most important test that can be given. And he says in verse 2 and 3, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. If anyone denies that Jesus was not fully God, then you know that they are of Satan or of the Antichrist. There are people that do not believe that Christ is fully God, and you would be wise to stay away from them. It's like oil and water. It doesn't mix. And these people can be a danger to you and get you in trouble. John goes on to say in verse 4, he says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, who is the them that John is referring to? He's referring to Satan and all of his false prophets. And believe me, they're out there. Believe me when I say that there is a battle going on for your soul every single day. We can't see it, but it's going on every day. God's word tells us that Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's a graphic word picture, but it depicts how evil and how little Satan cares for us. He doesn't care at all about us. He just wants to destroy and destroy us all. Like I mentioned earlier, Untruth comes to us and screaming at us from many different places. And Satan uses a multitude of ways to spread his lies and destruction. He's crafty and deceitful and will use anything to destroy us. Also, Satan loves when we as Christian brothers and sisters fight. He loves when we become angry with each other. He loves when we say nasty things to each other, and he really loves it when we don't speak to each other at all. Let me ask you this. Are there Christian people that annoy you? (laughs) Are there Christian people that hurt you and offend you? Are there Christian people that misinterpret the scriptures? Yes, there are. Does that mean that they are of Satan and of the Antichrist? No. That just means that there are people that annoy you. And they hurt you. And they misinterpret the scriptures. So what do we do with these Christian people? Because unless you're living in a mountaintop in a cave, it's a problem that we're all going to have to deal with. And remember, Satan is working really, really hard to get us to fight with each other. Remember, love isn't always easy. So what do we do with brothers and sisters in the Lord who hurt us? I'm pretty sure that's why John takes us into this next text. And this is where we come to the love part 
of this chapter. So let's read that together, starting with verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest towards us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We are not always going to get along with everyone. I find it absolutely amazing how God has made us come so different. We are different in the way we look. We are different in the way we um, act. We are different in the way we smell. We are different in the way we think. Isn't it interesting that uh, two people can see the same exact event and come up with two completely different versions of the story? You ever seen that? That's why it's really important when something happens and you got an accident, you get as many witnesses as you can to make sure you got an accurate assessment of what happened. My point is that everybody thinks differently. We're not always going to agree on everything. So here, it's really important that we, crit- we prepare ourselves when you come face-to-face with someone who disagrees with you. How are you going to react? You've got to prepare yourself when you disagree with somebody about something you feel deeply about and something that they feel really deeply about. Well, John is very plain when he says, we need to love as Christ loves us, as God loves us. Now, we've heard John 3.16 hundreds of times, but it bears repeating. In fact, I think it would be good for all of us to say it together today. So let's read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us so much that he gave his son. God sacrificed his son for each of us. And the key word that I'd like us to look at today and focus on is that word sacrifice. To love others is going to take sacrifice. Love is not easy. It's not always easy. What are the things that we might have to sacrifice? Well, It seems to me that one of the most important things that we can sacrifice today is our time. Taking time shows others that you really care and that you love them. I'm sure that most of you have been helped by somebody and you're just so appreciative of that person that they took the time to help you. So when we come face to face with someone that we disagree with, It's very important that we take time. In fact, it's really important that we just slow down and really listen to what they're saying. Many times when we slow down and we ask questions, we come to a better understanding of what they're saying. Sometimes we might have been just totally off in what we were thinking. 
You ever heard somebody say, now I get it? Now the light bulb goes off in your brain. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, now I understand. So it's critical that when we get into a disagreement with somebody, that we take time. Energy is another thing that we can sacrifice. Time and energy go hand in hand. You ever heard the saying, it takes time and energy? And, well, loving someone will take that sacrifice of time and energy. Sometimes you may not feel like taking or talking to someone because you've got a thousand other things to do. But people will notice the sacrifice that you're making. Another thing that we may need to sacrifice is our pride. This is a tough one for me. If I feel strongly about a topic, and then someone comes up with their opinion, many times my pride swells up, and then my dukes go up, and I just want to fight. My pride has a nasty way of getting my emotions to bubble up, and then which causes my brain to engage before my brain engages. <laughs> What did I say? Oh, thank you, honey. (laughs) My emotions bubble up, which causes my mouth to engage before my brain engages. Yeah, okay. Evidently, I need to engage my brain a little more. Okay. Another sacrifice we should make when we are loving others, our brothers and sisters, is our offerings of prayer. This takes really a lot of time and dedication. I can't remember who it was, but someone taught me a long time ago, just stop and ask for God's help. No no matter where you are, just stop and ask. It's amazing how um, perspectives can change when you invite God to help you with a situation. It's great to say, hey, I'll pray for you. But it's even more meaningful when you just stop whatever you're doing and you pray. When you're in the car and you're talking on the phone with someone, you can say, hey, which might be illegal pretty soon, but um, you say, hey, why don't we pray right now and ask God to help us out? If you're like me, it's just way too easy to forget that promise. I'm going to pray for you, so it's a good thing to do. My point is that loving isn't, isn't easy. Loving takes sacrifices of work. It takes time, energy, your sacrifice of your pride, and the offerings of your prayer. But let's remember that John said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Well, let's move ahead to verse 17 as John continues to talk about love. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I think what John is is saying here is is that perfect love has been shown to us. We can pick that up when John says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. This means that that, uh, 
that boldness is through our re- the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, if, if we love as Christ loved, then perfect love can cast out fear. Okay, I think we should stop and ask the question, what does fear bring? John, John said it brings torment. Torment's a really strong word. When I think of torment, the first thing that pops into my brain is when someone has been captured, an enemy has been captured, and they torment that person to get the truth, try and get some truth out of them, some facts out of them, their secrets. That is what the word torment is telling us. Fear can bring us torture. Fear captures us and does unspeakable things to us. The question can also be asked is, if John is telling us that we should love all men, then why can't we? What's holding us back? What are we afraid of? What's that fear way down in the depth of our soul that prevents us from loving people? To be honest, what scares me the most to love certain people is the fact that they've hurt me before. And I don't want to get burned again. I don't want to be tortured again. Can you relate with me on that? This is anybody. It could be a neighbor that you've, you've had or a, a co-worker, a close friend, even family members, or maybe even the chairman of the church board has hurt you. Have you ever noticed how some people, even family members, don't have the same chemistry as you? God has made us all different. Sometimes we can talk to a total stranger. You can meet him in an airport. And within a few minutes, you can tell that we, we have the same chemistry. We're on the same wavelength. We're woven of the same cloth. You can just tell by their mannerisms and their speech that you think the same. And naturally, you wouldn't mind spending some time with that person because there's a link there. On the flip side, have you ever met somebody and within a couple minutes you say, we don't have that same chemistry. And you you can tell that you don't have the same values, the same processes in your thoughts. So the big question is, what do you do when you get to know someone And you know you just don't have that chemistry. Well, there's an old saying that goes, it's no use to borrow trouble. If you just know that you're going to butt heads with somebody, then it's good to use caution around that person. Don't misinterpret me, please. The verses that we've read tell us to love people. This doesn't mean that we love certain people. We are to love everyone. But avoiding trouble doesn't mean that you can't love somebody. There's another old saying that goes, it's to learn how to disagree agreeably. Part of loving someone is knowing when to say something, when not to say something. And a really big part, like I said before, is planning ahead. Prepare yourself for confrontation. Have you ever prepared to fight with somebody? They've hurt you and then 
You go home and it's like, oh, the next time I see him, I'm going to let him have it. That's gotten me into really big trouble because I've followed through on my thoughts. So what do you do when you find out that you don't have that same chemistry and you don't want to be hurt again? Well, Peter asked somewhat of the same question of Jesus. He asked Jesus, is, it, is seven times enough for me to forgive my brother? Is it seven times enough to forgive that guy that truly annoys me? And Jesus answered, 70 times seven. I bet if you were there with Peter and Jesus, you probably heard Peter go, oh, really? Do I have to? Okay, let's say we do that. God works in our heart, and he convicts us, and we love that person, and we forgive that person who has hurt us. What do we do then? Is loving that person good enough just to leave it like that? Well, Jesus taught us a little bit more in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 15 says, Moreover, if your brother has brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Catch that? You go alone with him. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Are you going to have fear when you go to that brother or sister? And you say, I want to make amends with you. And you meet with them one-on-one, you bet you will. You'll be shaking in your boots. But again, love is not easy. That perfect love that Christ made an example for us is not an easy path. I want to challenge you today. If you're holding something against someone and you've never reconciled it with them, Christ exhorts you to make amends. This may be a family member that you haven't spoken to for five, ten years. Now is the time to do it. Do it before it's too late. And I want to stop right here before I forget. I meant to say this at the beginning. This message that I prepared for today is for me. Okay? So if, I, if you think that I'm preaching this only to you, no. I picked out scripture that would be meaningful to me. Okay, what if you've taken the steps that Jesus taught in Matthew 18 and you went to them? You've done all that you can do. What do you do then? Well, Paul talks to us in Romans 16. Let's read that. Romans 16, verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but with their own belly and by their smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Again, as I mentioned before, don't go and borrow trouble. There is a time and a place that you need to avoid certain people. But we are called, Christ calls us to live with all men peaceably, so we need to try our hardest. While you might 
have thought that this message was going to be all about lovey-dovey, Valentine's guru stuff, but yeah, I agree that love does make the world go round. And love is very important. But I wanted you to understand that love isn't always easy. I hope you understand today that the main reason why I chose chose to talk about this with you is because I have an issue with it myself. If we follow that example that, that was given to us by God through his son Jesus, we can make it through those tough times and continue to have healthy Christian relationships. But it takes work. It takes those sacrifices of time, energy, pride, prayer, and it also takes preparation. Prepare yourself when you know you're going to meet up with somebody and you know you don't have the same chemistry. Prepare yourself because loving isn't always easy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. Lord God, you, you've made us all different. And yet you've called us to love each other. And you've given us the best example through your son, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself on the cross for us. There's no greater love than this. So, Father, I pray that you'll give us um, the wisdom and you'll give us the, the courage to meet with those people that we know we're having trouble with, those family members that have hurt us deeply. Give us the, the grace to go to them. Father God, I thank you so much for the love and the grace that you show to us every day. And we ask your blessing upon us now as we go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.